You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Live from the Sixth and Peabody Studio and across the Outkick Network. This is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We are loud and clear in Chattanooga today, making the show happen on the road, calling some state high school uh, state championship football games this weekend, and uh, the Outkick crew making it happen for us 360 on the road today. And a big show plan. Armando Salguero is going to join us yep. in 20 minutes. NFL headlines, plenty to discuss in a big Thursday night football game tonight between the Bills and Patriots. That's right. Uh, and a lot to discuss in college football as well. The news coming down yesterday, the college football is expanding to 12 teams. We already knew that part of it. But what's new is they have gotten the approval and everything in line to make this happen in two years. So we will have to go through two more years of a four-team playoff this year and next. And then in the 2024-25 cycle, we will get the 12-team playoff. This is a case of quick action being the best action, right? There are times where you want to be deliberate and slow place and everything. This is not the time to do that. Everyone sees what that 12-team bracket would look like this year. And they start immediately saying, man, I wish we could do this now. So bumping it up a couple years to 24-25 is a good move. I wish they could do it even quicker and go to it next year. I understand there are reasons that they can't with television contracts and bowls and everything else. But Hutton, I'm glad we are getting this sooner rather than later. Well, but in this it's coming sooner because it's coming through ESPN. You had to have the conferences approve this. Of course, uh, that's done. It's a huge money coup for everyone. But this is also going back to the discussion about the Rose Bowl. You know, and that was what we were waiting on if they were going to the Rose Bowl was going to clear access for the game to actually potentially kick off at the same time within that exclusive rights window, two o'clock Pacific time on New Year's Day. Oh, the Rose Bowl always be uh, a pain to, in everyone's yeah, backside as to when the granddaddy of them the all game would, would kick off. So in 2024, they've allowed access for this to happen. And we're going to get this a year early. I, I wonder, does this mean now that we will see? Texas and Oklahoma try to join the SEC a year early, or does it really factor into the overall plan of conference expansion the way we look at the conference, the, the, the college football playoff expansion? Yeah. And expanding to 12. So here are some of the details about the, because this was announced a while back, the movement to it. Now that it's being bumped up, here's what it's going to look like. First round of the 2024 season playoff will take place throughout the week ending Saturday, December 21st. So people asking about timing, you know, how much more football is this going to be? Some people are saying that's way too much for college football, and I'm thinking I, I can't get enough of it. But the week ending Saturday, December 21st, college football playoff will attempt to schedule those first-round games later in the week. So we're talking games probably on Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday over the course of that weekend in the first round of those playoff games. So games will be played later in the week. Games will be hosted 
either at home stadiums of the highest seeded teams in those games or other sites chosen by the programs for logistical purposes. Now, I don't know why anyone would move their home game or their home rights off campus and out of their stadium unless some team that doesn't have a big stadium. I'm thinking of like Cincinnati. You know, if you're in the playoff and you have, you've got such a ranking, like Cincinnati a year ago would have hosted mm-hmm. a playoff game. Maybe they don't want to do it at Nippert and they want to go to the NFL stadium or they want to host it somewhere else, allowing more people to go and more revenue and everything else. That's the only scenario that I could imagine where that would take place. But anyways, it will happen at highest seeded team or the sites chosen by both programs for logistical purposes. Uh, the extra games, by the way, are expected to generate roughly $450 million in revenue from ESPN and the college football playoff and its members. So the expanded 12-team bracket will feature the six highest-ranked conference champions, all automatic qualifiers, along with the next six highest-ranked teams. The four highest-ranked conference champions will be seated one through four with a first-round bye. The next four highest-ranked teams, five through eight, will host the first-round matchup. College Football Selection Committee will continue to, to determine weekly ratings with criteria to be reevaluated in the future. Hutton, this is all great to me. I love the concept of first-round games on campus, on-site with teams. I like the buy. I like that still the, the four-team playoff now, it is very important in that these four teams, if they're the four teams on Sunday morning, would all get a first-round buy. Right, if they're conference champions. Right. So that's going to be important, too. I think this is a, a slam dunk, home run, whatever yeah. adjective you want to use, whatever description of a great thing happening in sports to happen. It's all of those things. And you're getting this a year earlier than what was expected. Because keep in mind, the bid, the, the bid is open again in 2025. So ESPN gets the exclusive rights if they expanded earlier, which they're doing by a year. And they also, I mean... You also get a sense for the magnitude of this with the money generated, but also what ESPN would potentially want to jump in with on a bid on their own in order to keep it exclusive rights to Disney, ESPN, ABC, and all that um, on top of it, which I think is what we expect, right? But then you've also got Fox and uh, all the other networks that are going to want their piece of this too. And, of course, with the expanded conference alignments with new television network deals coming into the fold, Fox with the Big Ten, and uh, certainly the Big Ten with the NFL-type model. Uh, Could we see networks individually get certain games within the playoff? Or do you think it's just one network gets everything? I think it's going to be... Like Wild Card Weekend is on every network. Here's here's what I want. I want multiple networks to be involved Mm -hmm. because I do not like the monopoly of one network in cahoots with a sport and kind of dictating terms in that way, back and forth, not just one-sided. But I don't love that. I, I, I like competition better. I'd like to see how different networks handle their playoff games and their broadcast and all of that. So I hope multiple networks get involved in this and not just, let's say, an ESPN. Uh, ESPN, ABC, and Disney running it. Uh, I would not like to see that. I'd like to see Fox involved. I'd like to see CBS involved if they want to get back big into college football. They're going to add the Big Ten game now instead of the SEC game at 2.30. Uh, NBC, if they want to get it. I want all of them to have a piece of it if the bidding works out that way. Yeah. Um, Blake Corum officially done for the season. There was a bit of speculation. Is he going to be available if the Michigan made the championship game You know, in, in mid-January? Not the, not the case. He's done. And you got the sense when he – 
tried to go but couldn't go against Ohio State this past weekend. Yeah, that's a bummer, um, but for a lot of reasons. For, for Michigan, obviously a bummer, but a guy who I think is probably going to be in New York as a Heisman finalist uh, getting hurt this way too. You know, we saw it with, with Hendon Hooker also what's, with, what, with two games left I wonder the what the split's going to be on the vote, you know, because they tally things based on first, second, third place votes. Yeah. And how they determine where's the cutoff to get, you know, are we going to see five finalists? We're going to see three. This is interesting because Hendon Hooker is going to be, I think at worst, voted like third or fourth, even though he's been out of the the mind of many mm-hmm. of the voters because many of the voters made up their mind if they're going to vote for him or not. Um, so where would he be in the pecking order and where would Corum need to be in order to get the invite? How close does the vote have to be in order for the high? Yeah, trust that's to bring it's a there? great question. I I am fascinated to see who's invited. You know how it breaks down, and then how many finalists they go with in this. Because it seems like a year where you could get a wide disparity amongst different players I, getting yeah, voted I think so. on. Right? I think or there's not the slam dunk. All right, it's one of these two or three guys, or it's just a landslide. It's going to be Williams, and it's that obvious at the end of the season. People are just going to vote for him. Yeah. It's really tough to gauge. It is. It is. Hey, I want to bring up one thing going back to the college football playoff discussion of major conferences of the Power Six. Uh, We're in Chattanooga doing some television work on Tennessee State high school games. Not going to spend a lot of time on that, obviously, but we did have a pretty impactful game because the one we called earlier featured Trent Dilfer, who, if you've not seen the news, he's a new coach at UAB, going straight from high school at Lipscomb Academy out of Nashville, Tennessee, going to UAB in Conference USA. Um, in fact, we'll have some words with, with Trent Dilfer coming up much later in the show today. He did words. Yes. Uh, he emotional guy. He was emotional during the broadcast. Lipscomb Academy, by the way, won their second straight state title today. But I was thinking about UAB and Cincinnati. Okay, from, from this perspective, and I actually tweeted this out. If you can run Lipscomb Academy the way that Trent Dilfer did. Now, I know this is a reach when you're going into college football, but... If you could turn UAB around to that level, Conference USA is less than the American Athletic Conference, obviously, right? But that's where Cincinnati got to a Final Four playoff Mm -hmm. with that team. I only bring this up because Tulane, for instance, is a group of five team that's going to go. So what if you had the perfect hire? Don't know that it will be. I like it because it's exciting for UAB. But if you had the perfect hire to place like that, the chances of getting to a college football playoff. But here's the big problem with all of this. Cincinnati parlayed, in, in part, the, all their history and basketball and everything else factored in too. But from a football perspective, they parlayed college football playoff to what? The Big 12. So they're going to one of the big boys. Mm-hmm. So now they're always going to have more of a realistic chance at competing at the highest level. So does it take an, a true outsider, you know, a Tulane um, who's in the American Athletic Conference, too, so that's a better conference. But well, we're guaranteed but, one to get in every year. Yeah, right? So I, I just... The highest-ranked non-power five, group of five, they're, I, they're I, in. I don't think that the musical chairs of conference realignment and people moving up has stopped completely. So I was just thinking about this in the context of a yep. guy like Trent Dilfer. You know, if you could recruit at a really high level, uh, Deion Sanders gets hired at... You know, I think South Florida hired Jamie Chadwell, or they're going to from Coastal Carolina. But say South Florida hires Deion Sanders, and they start getting top ten recruiting classes. You know, how quickly do you rise in that in that respect if you're at a program like that? And can can quick success 
get you noticed by the bigger conference? Wow. Or is it a sustained experience? But how quickly... Where do you have These to are all questions to, I have no answer to. But, but it's just what floats in my head, and I ask the questions because I don't know. But it's not just about one in, in the in the opportunity for Cincinnati. It wasn't just about Cincinnati for the Big Twelve. It wasn't adding one team. you had to have a reason to go get four, and you get the four pack. It wasn't just USC to the Big Ten. It was, it was USC UCLA. And UCLA. So Cincinnati used their success to propel them to the Big Twelve. But it also took Houston, and you got to look around and, and find some other pieces that can go with you to the conference. So can UAB do that? Yes. But I think you also need, the, you need other pieces to the puzzle to help you if you're going to actually jump into the Power Five now. Yeah. I don't think you could do it individually. Yeah. Some, and, and, something to ponder. And UAB is 6-6 six and six this year. They're, they're going to a bowl game, and Dilfer's taking over, and he's got, like, how many – Four and five stars on his roster. We, we've been there for crazy. We've been I mean, there for the USFL and doing shows there. That's as good of a stadium as you're going to have yeah, at that it's level. Great. It's perfect size. It's, great. it's nice. It's it's in a good location. It's perfect yeah. for what UAB wants to do. So I think Trent Dilfer is going to do big things there. I'll be surprised if he doesn't. But that's going to be something to follow. Uh, another storyline to follow is whatever the hell Antonio Brown is up to at any point in in, in time. Uh, there's now an arrest warrant out. For Antonio Brown, it was issued on Thursday morning and lists the charge as misdemeanor battery domestic violence. A police report accuses Brown of throwing a shoe at a woman and striking her in the ponytail. This is before police arrived. Brown also reportedly threw the woman's belongings out of the house. Um, As the Antonio Brown turns, I mean, Hutton, you've talked about if you can ball, people will overlook anything. This is the exception because <laughs> I think Antonio Brown oh. could play last time he was playing he is so unhinged I feel like that that's he, he you can't touch him well he's not in the league because he legitimately quit the dude stripped out of his uniform and walked out True. on Tom Brady and Bruce Arians that's why he's not in the NFL uh, it has nothing to do with anything he did off the field uh, it's the way he left the field uh, in, in New Jersey last fall so um, yeah, if you can ball, the NFL will overlook. Uh, they may suspend you, but they'll, for the most part, overlook anything you're doing off the field if you're going to make the league and your team successful monetarily and production-wise on the scoreboard. He was doing that, and that's why he got so many different opportunities even after he was kicked out of Pittsburgh and even after he what froze his feet during training camp or something, yeah. uh, burned his Well, feet remember when everyone was rushing to Hard Knocks because yeah. that whole story was happening with him? Uh, it was like a cryo also, chamber that ended up burning his feet with frostbite. I, I find I it interesting, the detail of this report. that the, the suspect exited the residence and threw a shoe at the victim, striking her in the ponytail. Not in the head. Ponytail. But the ponytail. Um, Do you think he tried to hit her in the ponytail? Is his aim that I mean, good? He's like, I don't, you know, I want to, I want to scare her enough where I don't hit her in the head, but I will hit her in the ponytail <laughs> with the shoe. Like he thought that this will be a misdemeanor charge and I not mean, a felony. That is a because if I hit her in the head with the shoe, it's a felony. I don't think Antonio Brown, as a receiver, has that level of aim that he would do that. Pretty sure he's aiming for the head. That is the and it happened detail, to sweep though, the ponytail that, that only Antonio Brown could find. 
Yeah. The and ponytail. I also think it's the woman who was attacked by him, like doing him a solid almost by admitting that it hit her in the ponytail I and did. not the head. <laughs> well, it just hit me in the ponytail, so it's a misdemeanor. Crazy story. Uh, unfortunate story. And most of the stories with Antonio Brown, and he finds unfortunately, ways. are unfortunate. Right. Yeah. Um, Flannel Fred on Twitter asked the question to us: Will y'all talk about the Jerry Stackhouse ejection last night at oh, all? Yeah. And if so, approximately when during today's show? We want this level of interaction with our listeners, with our viewers. I can tell you at three forty-five Central Time, four forty-five Eastern, we will play the uh, video of the Jerry Stackhouse ejection. And discuss. I, I don't want to waste any of the talk on it now because we're going to discuss more thoroughly later. It was a wild scene for an ejection. It was a pretty wild scene for this ejection. We'll we'll discuss hey, a little give bit a later. Contract extension to him again for it. Possibly. You never know. This could be good for another year. Maybe this was the the thing that will you know spiral the the extra years on the contract. Um, I don't know what. Armando Salguero's contract is, but hopefully it's for a long time without kick. He does a terrific job. We're going to talk some NFL. I don't know if we're going to ask about Antonio Brown. I don't know what more there is to say about him. We'll probably get more into the games that are coming up this weekend. That's coming up with Armando Salguero of Outkick. But first, Hutton, you've got a word about Aurora Nutrisense. That's right. VitalLifeScience.com. You want to get rid of uh, laryngitis? What do I do? VitalLifeScience.com. And now listen to him. He sounds great. Load up and ready to go. Uh, Outkick 360 season ticket holders. 50% off discount for all the supplements there. If you just type in Outkick 360 at checkout at VIDA, VitalLifeScience.com. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Uh, Your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, and more. So many more options at VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitaLifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. We're back on OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. Chad Withrow, Jonathan Hutton with you. We're coming to you live today from Chattanooga, down here doing a little TV work. Uh, Thanks to the folks here at uh, Brewer Media for hosting us down in Chattanooga today. Uh, A lot of football talk on the program today, and one of the best ways to talk football is with our guy Armando Salguero of OutKick.com. Armando always brings it. Armando always has such a pleasant energy about him, even when he's bashing the Detroit Lions. (laughs) And Armando is on with us right now. Armando, welcome to the show, and thank you for bringing that effervescent energy that you always bring to this program. Thank you, Chad. I, 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 have I told you I love you? Have I, have I said that to you lately? <laughs> also, you, no, not Jonathan, I, the love I have for Chad is no less and no more than the love I have for you. It's all love. <laughs> Uh, not all love between the Bills and the Patriots uh, over the years, and that's where we're getting tonight in Thursday Night Football. What do you think of the matchup, Armando? I think that if you're 
betting that the Bills will once again not punt, you probably lose. I believe that the Bills will punt, which is um, an interesting thing because the last couple of times that the Patriots and the Bills played, the Bills didn't punt. And it spoke to how well the Bills offense was uh, going last year. Not as well right now. And that's something that no one has really worried about most of the season. But we're now officially, unless I miss my calendar turning of page, we're now in December. And it's time for the Buffalo Bills, if they are going to be that Super Bowl team that everybody promised, including me, that they would be, now's the time to show it. They're 0-2 against the AFC. They've played two AFC East teams, and they've lost both games, one against the Jets, one against the Dolphins. And they're going to be without Von Miller for the next four weeks. He went on injured reserve today. He's going to miss three AFC East games, including tonight against the Patriots. He'll miss one against, uh, obviously, the Dolphins and then another one against the Jets before he's back. I, I realize, uh, Armando, the, the Bills have some questions, right? I, I don't get the sense there's an over-concern level with Buffalo yet. Like, it's not the same concern I have with Baltimore, for instance, with the double-digit leads they've allowed. Josh Allen, it, it sounds weird to say this, but if, if he needs a get-right type performance, the Patriots, over the last four games, when he's faced them, have been that type of performance. He's averaged over the last four 311 passing yards and four touchdowns per game. It's very difficult for me to see Buffalo losing tonight. Right, and that which you mentioned, Jonathan, is the exact reason why uh, this game bears major scrutiny because if Josh Allen and the Bills offense doesn't match what it has been doing against that Patriots defense, then we know for sure that something is amiss. It's, they've set a standard. They've set the bar at a certain level. And if they don't meet that level, by definition, they are underperforming the level that they've already attained in the past. Armando Salguero, our guest. Let's stay in the division. The Miami Dolphins have won five games in a row. They have scored 30 or more points in their last four games. And, I mean, they, they were up 30 nothing at halftime against Houston. And then I know the game ended up being 30-15. to 15, But we, we know they could have doubled the spread there if they could protect their quarterback a bit longer in the second half. Where are the Dolphins right now to you, Armando? What's the biggest question mark you have about the Dolphins continuing this? Because I do know the schedule... Five of their final, what, six opponents are teams with a current winning record. Winning records are tough to come by right now in the NFL, and the Dolphins are about to go through the gauntlet. That is absolutely correct. So the Dolphins, if you're asking me for concerns, these are the three that I would offer back to you. Number one, can the offensive line hold up? And what I mean by that is not just – can they actually play well? But injury-wise, uh, you know, Teron Armstead has a history, and this year he's been fighting the good fight with, you know, turf toe and, uh, you know, soft tissue injury and 
uh, sore knee and also now uh, a partially uh, affected peck, a peck. And so um, that's a big deal when you're about to face one of the Boza boys. Uh, that's a big deal when you're about to face the San Francisco 49ers in San Francisco. And you're going to back that up later on in the year with the New York Jets, who have an outstanding front seven. And even the Bills, without Von Miller, they've got, you know, a lot of talent up there, and they've invested a lot of talent up there. Worry number two, du Tua Tungavailoa durability. And they're both tied to what we, you know, what we just mentioned. The Dolphins have done a great yep. job since that Cincinnati game of protecting Tua, of getting the ball out fast, of making sure that he is allowed to be the player that he is developing and has developed into. That development and that developing into kind of goes by the wayside if the guy's not hurt, if the guy's hurt, and if the guy's on his uh, derriere. <laughs> so... Uh, that worries me. And then, obviously, on defense, they're going to start facing some good quarterbacks here now. Um, I'm not sure that I would put Jimmy Garoppolo in that in that uh, group, but Justin Herbert is around the corner. And eventually, if they get to where they want to be, Patrick Mahomes is around the corner and guys like that. And Josh Allen will be around the corner again. So there's a lot of uh, good quarterbacks lurking around that corner for the Dolphins' defense. Armando, I'm about to ask you a question that you're going to have a hard time answering <laughs> with a level head and giving an honest answer to because of your hatred of the Detroit Lions. Jacksonville is in Detroit this Sunday. Which franchise has the brighter future? They're both 4-7 wow. and seven wow. right now. Who are you buying stock in if you had to pick one or the other? Honestly, first of all, that lead off to that question, I thought you were going to ask me about Fidel Castro or something. And it was like, <laughs> I was just going to go nuts. <laughs> because, you know, that dude, I can't think straight when, I, when that dude's name is mentioned. Um, I appreciate the Lions a lot. They have talent, okay? I just don't think that how do I put this that Dan Campbell is a is a is a fully self-actualized coach. I don't I think that that is a more talented team than well-coached team. I think that that team the bar is really high say if they had a a, a better head coach. I'm going to say it. A better head coach. Uh, Dan Campbell, great leader, great motivator. But there's something that's missing there as far as strategy and all that stuff and game management. So you're asking about the Lions. I love the Lions to a degree. And I think that their bar is higher. I think I just stumbled onto a good game to play with you because there's another matchup I'm going to ask you the same question about. Packers at the Bears. Bears are three and nine, Packers are four and eight. But given the probable future of the Packers with a diminishing Aaron Rodgers that won't be a part of the franchise and the question marks around Jordan Love and the future at quarterback, who are you buying stock in in the future, Packers or Bears? I think I'm selling on both, and this is the reason. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we got what? 
four games of Justin Fields playing uh, dynamic, right? He looked like a young or a younger Lamar Jackson. That kind of that kind of work, that kind of approach to a game. And in those games where he was dynamic and he was great, they got a chance to win a couple of them if Justin Fields had done what great quarterbacks do, which was author a fourth-quarter comeback drive, and he failed both times. So I, I love the love the candy, but I love I think protein is better. Uh, you know, I just think that results matter. And in that regard, Justin Fields hasn't delivered yet. As far as the Packers, you watched Jordan Love the other night. He did okay. He did okay. And he might get some work at the end of this season. Even yesterday, uh, Rodgers was talking about a possible conversation that may have to be had if the Packers are eliminated from contention and management wants to make sure uh, and see what it has in Jordan Love. The last time we saw Jordan Love was last week, and I think in like six minutes he threw for 100 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, yeah, not a lot, small sample size, but we'll see. Armando, I'm, I'm eager to watch the final stretch run between the Ravens and the Bengals because they'll meet in week 18, and the Bengals have a tough schedule compared to Baltimore. Currently, Baltimore's only remaining opponent with a winning record is Cincinnati in the final week of the season. However, Baltimore right now, I think because of their schedule, we would pick them to win the North. I think in the postseason, Cincinnati is going to be a far better Super Bowl-type option. They're, well, they've won, what, three of their last four without Jamar Chase, and they have found another tier one type wide receiver with T Higgins that Joe Burrow will throw it up, throw it up to Mixon has also been out recently with his issue and he's back soon. So they're getting chase and Mixon back. Meanwhile, Baltimore, they are like 12 for their last 24 trips in the red zone. They can't get touchdowns. They're settling for field goals. And this is a team that, has given up double-digit leads, did it again in their most recent loss to Jacksonville. Where is Baltimore in your mind? Uh, would you still predict that they're going to win the North, but do you buy into what I'm trying to say, which is I would much rather go on the road to Baltimore in week one of the, of the wildcard round than host Cincinnati in the wildcard round? Yeah, I think that when those two teams play each other, one of those two teams – the Baltimore Ravens is the division winner, and the other one is the mm -hmm. superior team. Uh, it's simple okay. as that, and I think that's basically what you you said. And what yeah. matters in the postseason, there it, there's a great advantage to playing at home, granted, and that's what division winners generally do. But there's a better advantage to being better, and to holding on to leads and having a defense that is physical. They out-physicaled the Tennessee Titans the other day. They held, you know, Derrick Henry to 2.2 yards a rush. Anytime Derrick Henry is rushing, average is his jersey number. 
that's bad. <laughs> Not good. And you absolutely are right. They do these things the last few weeks without possibly the best, I wouldn't say the best wide receiver in the NFL, but top five, no doubt about it, maybe even top three. And and his connection to Joe Burrow and vice versa, that could be the best in the NFL. So they're a team yeah, that's they, coming. Yes. That's all I have to say about them. They're coming. Oh. Okay, yeah, but I, my bad. I interrupt you there. Look, I, I, I'm with you, and they've been back and forth, and I've been wanting to jump on the, the the Bengals bandwagon, and then they lose the following week, and you're like, ah, maybe they're just a part of the group here. But you're right about what they did with Henry. They did to Henry what they did to Henry in January in the postseason. We saw in the regular season last year they beat Kansas City in the regular season last year. They beat them in the playoffs. They got them this week. I, I think we could see a huge title shift in how we look at Cincinnati this year. I think they're a very similar version of the team that made the Super Bowl run last year. Uh, and, by the way, the investment that they made on the offensive line, which was not paying dividends early in the season, and Joe Burrow was getting sacked ad nauseum, and the running game wasn't showing up, uh, that's changed. That script has flipped. And in fact, their running game now is a factor. And that's what they do and love to do on offense. They are the play action offense. And when the running game is going, play action is awesome. How motivated do you think A.J. Brown is this week against the Titans that, that traded him away? Just with his personality type, uh, with the way he's playing this year, I think this thing is setting up to be a big day for A.J. Brown and the Eagles offense. I agree with you. And uh, <laughs> I, you know, there's a there's that Mr. T saying I pity the fool. Um, yeah, the Titans in this in this regard are who the fool. And it, Look, we all know Traylon Burks might be great down the road, okay? Wonderful. And it, it might show in in the favor of the Tennessee Titans eventually. But now, that looks bad. That's a bad, you know, the Titans would be way better with A.J. Brown than, with, than they are now without. They would be every bit the the number one seed type contender that they were last year, but they're not that now. And last week, for example, going back to that Cincinnati game, when the running game didn't show up, when it wasn't there, they didn't have an answer. They didn't have a go-to guy that they could say, we'll beat you with this guy. Because the, the Bengals decided, you're not going to beat us with Derrick Henry. What else you got? And that's what a lot of teams do in the playoffs. Well, the Titans' answer was, we ain't got nothing else. Armando Salguero, we come to him for Detroit Lions hate, Fidel Castro hate and talk, and Mr. T references and, <laughs> and quotes. And he's the very best at covering the NFL. Outkick.com is where you can read all of his work. And he joins us here on Outkick 360 Weekly. Armando, thanks so much. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, guys. 
Armando Salguero, again, OutKick.com is where you can find all of his work. When we come back, let's talk some college football coaching hires. I wrote a column for OutKick with my snap judgment, just the first thought in my mind, what popped in with every hire so far in college football. We'll discuss when we come back. It's OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, OutKick 360, remote broadcast today from Chattanooga with Jonathan Hutton. I'm Chad Withrow. Talking some college football coaching hires so far. I wrote the column at OutKick. Just my initial thought, snap judgment, quick reaction on every hire so far. Hutton, shall we play this game? Let's jump in and start with Hugh Freeze at Auburn, your snap judgment. So I think it makes sense. Uh, When I saw the hire, first off, we were speculating about Auburn for months, even before the season started, because we all knew that Brian Harson was going to be out at some point during the season. And who would make sense for that job? I thought all along it was Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze had success against Nick Saban at Ole Miss. He's got a high-powered, fast-paced offense. So... I think this is one that just makes sense for that program right now. Uh, he kind of fits the mold a little bit of the road coach, right? I think Auburn embraces that uh, in, in a lot of ways, so I think it makes perfect sense. It's tough to really scrutinize many of these hires. A lot of them make a lot of sense. What was your take on Fickle to Wisconsin? I think it's the best hire of this cycle, and I don't know that there's a close second, honestly. I love Luke Fickle. I mean, he has done a terrific job uh, at, at Cincinnati. Uh, didn't do a bad job in his one year as the interim coach in 2011 at Ohio State also. But, I mean, he got Cincinnati to a playoff. Uh, he's won 76% of his games as the Bearcats head coach. He got them to a bowl in all but one season of his six years there. Uh, he's got that sort of hard-nosed Midwest former defensive lineman style that fits perfectly with the culture at Wisconsin, yes. I think it's an absolute home run for Wisconsin and, and to hire Luke Fickle. Best, best hire of the cycle. Uh, and Matt Rule, I think, also fits this category of fit Nebraska, best they could get. Yeah, I, I think you could argue Matt Rule is uh, right there, you know, 1A, 1B, or number two, I would say, behind Luke Fickle to Wisconsin. And I, I said it's the best that they can get. Right, I think of all the different possibilities, we talked about Lance Leipold and Chris Kleiman and Matt Campbell and all these different names were thrown out for Nebraska, all these Midwestern roots type guys. There was always Matt Rule sitting out there once he got fired by the Panthers. So he had success at Temple. He had success at Baylor. He was going to get hired by someone. I, I think it's a nice marriage between yeah. Nebraska and Matt Rule. So I'm, I'm not saying the best they could get as a knock at Nebraska – I'm saying it's the best they could get, as in, good job. <laughs> I'm applauding you, Nebraska, because if you weren't going to land Luke Fickle, then getting Matt Rule is really, really good. Arizona State turned heads whenever they hired Herm Edwards in the last hiring cycle. Um, now they've gone with Dillingham, someone that they know well, 
but someone that made sense based on the connection to the university. Yeah, my initial thought was, why not? Because <laughs> yeah. they tried to go the celebrity coach route, and it backfired with Herm Edwards. They're under you know a, a tough NCAA investigation right now. They got reports during this year that assistant coaches were giving uh, plans to other coaches in order to sabotage Herm Edwards, which I'm thinking is crazy. How could you do that to the players on your team that you recruited to be there in the program, which is an awful story, if true. Uh, Kenny D- Dillingham is a 32-year-old, first Power 5 head coach, born in 1990 or after. Born in 1990. Um, so, young guy, Arizona State grad. He's from... Scottsdale, Arizona, where he played his high school football. I think this, this I say why not with this, Hutton, because you're going to need someone that's going to rebuild and not look to bolt quickly. So going with Dillingham, a young guy who can learn how to be a head coach on the job a bit, uh, that loves the university, that loves the program, I think is the right way to go because I see Arizona State as a five to six year type deal right now in terms of what how you need to judge them. It's not year three for me. It's probably year four for them because they're, they're probably about to get hit by the NCAA for something. Yes. Uh, as, as, as far as plan and outlook, is it a five or six year plan for Georgia Tech with Brent Key? I, I, don't, I don't know if Georgia Tech could afford to fire Brent Key before five or six years. I, I feel like they're just broke or something. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, he went 4-4. Four and four. He did a nice job. I'm sure everyone there at Tech loves him. He's a former player. This is not to knock Brent Key. I'm knocking Georgia Tech thinking that Brent Key was the direction they needed to go right now. Someone that was on Jeff Collins, failed head coach, on his staff, just to go with the alumni and elevate him when you could have mix some things up. We're going to get to someone who mix some things up. Hire Deion Sanders. I, I think it's a no-brainer. You at least talk to him. To come back to Atlanta, the splash that could make, you need relevance if you're at Georgia Tech right now. You don't have it. The ACC is wide open outside of Clemson. Florida State's taking a step up under Mike Norvell. But why not Georgia Tech? I said, why not about Ken- Kenny Dillingham at Arizona State? Why not Georgia Tech as a team in the Atlanta metro area that could compete in the ACC? This is a move that tells me they have no interest, quite frankly, in competing at the top of that conference. UAB hiring Trent Dilfer. Wow, was the initial response. Um, I said it on the, the broadcast of his game today. It's exciting. And that, that's, that's what I think about this hire. I mean, whether you love it, hate it, you know, there's not a lot of people saying, well, he doesn't deserve the shot because he hasn't been a college coach. He's only coached in high school. And I, I just I, I don't see it that way. If you spend five minutes with Trent Dilfer, you're going to be blown away with his presence. Uh, he is a guy that sticks out in any room with his everything about him, his charisma, the leadership ability. I, I love that UAB went after him. Like they attacked this, right? That they wanted Trent Dilfer from the start and they got him. I think it's a big-time move uh, for a program that's been good in Conference USA that's been competing at the top of that conference. Um, it's not a Power 5 job, but it's a pretty good group of 5 job at UAB, and I think that program just got a lot better. Tom Herman is the new head coach at Florida Atlantic. He replaces Willie Taggart. Tom Herman at Houston and Texas, a combined head coaching record of 54-22. and 22. And the Owls of Florida Atlantic are going from Conference USA to the AAC. And now you've got a chance where Florida Atlantic with Tom Herman 
can jump back in the mix. Boca is a great place to recruit recruit to. Um, you can do the reverse one and done. You can do it anywhere now with the transfer portal, but you can certainly do it there. Yep. And it's it, they're playing at a, a, a level where they can they can sell the same thing UAB's doing. Yeah, I, I think to sell Tom Herman though, you're selling Houston Tom Herman and not oh, Texas Tom sure. Herman. Yeah. And also, it's a weird. I'm against schools just going the opposite direction of their previous hire. Like you know, hey, we had a defensive guy, got to hire an offensive guy. I had an offensive guy, got to hire defense. But it's odd to me that they just fired Willie Taggart, right? Who is uh, who is a failed major level head coach, and also did some good things in in yeah. the in the mid you know I'm not saying mid major group of five level, and then they're going to bring in the same type of career path in Tom Herman. Might work out. Well, but it's, uh, what, I don't, it's what Florida Atlantic has done, though. They did that with Kiffin. Kiffin went from yeah. USC to Florida Atlantic. Um, and then... It worked with Kiffin. It didn't work with Willie Taggart. It was a USC, Bama, then Florida Atlantic, then Ole Miss. Yeah. And so now... Kiffin's you know, path was Raiders, and Tennessee, the same thing here. USC, Bama, FAU, Ole Miss. That's th- those were his, his major stops so far. Yeah, Taggart did not have the drop-off with Saban prior to Florida right. Atlantic. I'm excited about our next guest. Coming up to start the next hour, Ken Carmen. He is with 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. I've gone on a show a lot. He's going to bring it. We're going to talk to Sean Watson returning for the Cleveland Browns. We'll talk some Ohio sports as well. Ken Carmen coming up next. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.